Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in this world, you are with Dr. Matthew on Woolsey, and this is Transformational Energy Leadership. I'm glad to have you here, coming to you live from the heartland of America. We have a really good topic today, it's something that's very timely, and it's all about leading leadership diversity, and I'm going to add the inclusion part as well. Now, before we get started, for all of you out there listening, a quick reminder during the commercial break, you can go to my website, that's transformationalenergyleadership.com, you can learn more about me and my business offerings, and I love emails, so if you want to contact me, you can do so by emailing me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com, and you can find me on this platform, Voice America, under the Empowerment Channel, and I'm on social media, that's Facebook and LinkedIn, and also, for all of you out there listening, this is a live show, if you've got a comment or a question, we welcome that in the conversation today. Now, like I said, we're talking about leadership diversity, and joining me is Dr. Bindu Garapati, and now let me give you a snapshot of what we're in store for today. Dr. Garapati has a doctorate degree in clinical psychology and an entrepreneur spirits. What does that mean? She started her own company. She's the co-founder and CEO of The Happy Leader. Now, Dr. Garopardy is an executive coach and has a leadership development practice where she infuses evidence-based practices and lessons learned from her leadership in healthcare, corporate, academia, for-profit, non-profit organizations, you name it, she's done it. And it's all about empowering leaders to find their intersection of happiness, meaning, and impact. She also now leads initiatives in the talent development and inclusion space at Gilead Sciences, and she is also the recipient of the Emerging Executive of the Year Award from Watermark in 2016 and was recently named as Silicon Valley Business Journal's 100 Women of Influence. Now, on a personal note, Dr. Garapati is a daughter of South Asian immigrants, and growing up in a mono-ethnic community, she recognized at a very early age the humility of owning your difference and fostering inclusivity. I've said enough. We need to get this show going. So welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership, Dr. Bindu Garapati. Thank you, man. That's what an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, I know when you're very humble, there's more things to you. But I am so pleased to have you here. And Bindu, I like to ask a lot of people who work in this space, why do you do and what inspires you to do this work? Oh, you know, I was thinking about this question. There's been so many things of recent, and I think one of the most powerful things that inspires me is just the uniqueness of individuals that I get to work with. Just as a fingerprint, I mean, everyone has their own leadership style, the way that they influence, the way that they demonstrate their compassion. The other aspect of it is just the impact that we make as a collective society, a collective system. We do not do anything alone. And that was a lesson that I I learned very, very early on that's really been a powerful experience for me, being able to share that impact and then knowing that when people have certain insights or aha moments that they cascade that down just in casual conversations or even official conversations and coaching and mentoring relationships. 
The self-learning, um, there's an aspect, right? I kind of think of it as an internal and external play, the inspiration that happens kind of outside of my head and then what happens within in terms of the self-learning that I continue to go through on a day-to-day basis. And the other aspect that's really inspiring is uncovering my own blind spots, but also with the teams and people that I work with. You know, I think as leaders, there's a lot of research to support that some of the most amazing leaders, we all have blind spots. So how do we uncover that to really be as optimal, as effective, and as inspiring as we can be? So I could go on and on, but I think the number one is just definitely being able to interface with the uniqueness of individuals and how they express their leadership. And you put you packed a lot in there, and it. What I heard also <laughs> through those that's great. Is there's there's compassion there. There's the interaction that you have with others, and there's a big section there where you really dedicate to learning about ourselves, finding those blind spots. And this taps into something I I just read an article. I think it was yesterday about real leaders dedicate at least five hours a week to learning, mm-hmm. and isn't that something? And even in my research, I found one of the 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 pillars of their strength was that they never stop learning that thirst and crave to really try to understand because we can't possibly know everything. You know, I, I was struck when your organization, I love the name of your organization and some others uh, listening, perhaps CEOs might be going, why do you have happy as part of your, <laughs> your leader? And I know it's all about, you know, bringing together the intersection of happiness, meaning, which is oh so important, leading to also impact. But why happy? So it was really funny, you know, a little bit of context here. So I moved to California from Chicago, and my co-founder and I, we were thinking of, you know, names and what would be a great name. And so when we thought of the happy leader, I remember kind of doing a litmus test and sharing it with people, and it was really split. There were people that were like, that sounds a little hokey. (laughs) And then there were people that... Wow, Binda, that totally describes the energy that you bring to all the work that you do. So I wanted something really authentic, one, that had personal meaning to me. And then as I started to dig deeper and deeper into the happiness research, I recognize, we recognize that there's so much more. It's not just this superfluous kind of fluff that we throw around. There's so much importance given to the work that we do and the meaning and the purpose that we put behind. The other aspect, too, is, you know, coming from a clinical background, when I was studying psychology, I was very influenced by the work of Martin Seligman in positive psychology. And, you know, and he talks about kind of the science around all of that and breaks it down into three different areas, kind of the pleasant life, you know, how we look at some of the basics of what gives us happiness, our companionship, interaction, connection, the good life, exploring our strengths and how do we contribute to others, and the joy, not only from a happy perspective, but also from a productivity perspective, and then a meaningful life, kind of figuring out what our purpose is. And so those things really resonated with us, and so we wanted to infuse that to give that aspect um, a little bit more robustness, and then being able to intersect it with data and theoretical orientation around it that, you know, it's not just flippantly saying happy, 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 but there's true science around it. And, you know, there's controversy around this, but I'd like to just mention it anyways. There's research done by Sonia, I'm going to mispronounce her name, but it's Luya Borinsky, and she's done a lot of work in looking at kind of the percentage, right? And she believes that 50% of our happiness is kind of a predisposition from our genetics, 
our background. Mm-hmm. And then 40% of happiness is due to kind of our intentional activity, actions, how optimistic, how do we handle situations. And then 10% is around circumstance. So if you think about that, there's a lot of opportunity to influence and modify how we show up in life and how intentional we can be. Right. So much of it is ourself and how the choices that we make. And there is that 10%. And what I really like about your description about when you went into this is, first of all, you wanted to be authentic. And then all those different aspects of the research that you showed about positive psychology relates directly to what we're going to be talking about today. And that's how do we create a place where people do have a connection, where they do have meaning and they feel like they're they're part of the in-group, which we'll talk about a little bit later. You know, something else I, I you know, when, you, when we think about leaders leading organizations, how does their energy really impact them and how they impact others? Oh, it's... <laughs> I probably give it way more weight, but I've anecdotally and personally seen that. You know, I think I read something recently to Matt that, you know, just by smiling at somebody, they smile and then they impact and influence. So yet another opportunity to cascade a simple smile. And how powerful does, can that be when we are showing up in that way? And, you know, again, this isn't about you know, um, faking it. Although I do like Amy Cuddy's rendition of, you know, fake it till you become it. I think there's something really beautiful there that, you know, when you start to reframe certain pieces of information, not only does it, I think at a cellular level, really modify the energy that you have within, but it becomes contagious. And people feed off of that. I mean, we all know what it's like to work with colleagues or be around people that are kind of dwelling in the negative or have more of um, um, versus the growth mindset, you know, that Carol Dweck talks about in terms of, okay, we can, we can inspire, we can motivate, we can move through. Like, how do we dial up that level of energy? So I think energy has a huge, huge role in terms of how we show up as transformational leaders, for sure. Good. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> and you know, I was thinking when you mentioned all that too, Dell Carnegie was onto something back in 1934 with his very first publication of how to win friends and influence people. Yes. One of the things he said is when you fake smile, it also alters, even when you do a fake smile, it alters the way that you enter into a relationship with someone, that it turns out more positive. And then to your point, then it starts to cascade because the other person sees it, they feels it, they feel it, the energy elevates and so forth. So you're right. And this leads me to, me to my next question because in the second segment, we're going to dig into diversity and inclusion. Before we get there, I'm going to wrap this section up about leaders. And when you project into the future and you're, you're out there right now, you've got your coaching, you've got your company and you are in the industry, you're working in this space right now, you're looking at talent, you're looking at what the future's calling. What do you see for leaders as skills that they are going to have to hone? Yeah, bear, okay. So again, I, I have to focus on being succinct. However, there's so much that we can do. And I think some of the key factors are looking at how global we are, right? With innovation and technology, we really have to be culturally sensitive and inclusive. And I don't mean that just from an ethnic racial perspective, but really understanding, like, you know, if I want to do something in APAC or EMEA or 
cross-culturally, how do I go about doing that, right? Being flexible, being agile. Uh, I think this concept of an intergenerational workforce and intergenerational leadership is so important as we move forward. How do we really integrate wisdom of um, our seasoned professionals with youth, millennials that are coming into the workforce? And we know, right, this is data out there by 2025, 75% of the workforce is going to be the millennial population. So really looking at how we can be more integrative in our leadership styles, respecting the leadership that the younger generation comes into the workforce with, but also pairing that with the wisdom of leaders that have tried to have that life experience. Um, you know, there's a, a improvisation organization called Improv Edge that really combines improvisational skills techniques with business and innovation. And one of the key themes that they talk about is something called team equity. Now, that's different than equality. So we're talking about team equity versus team equality. Because when you think about it, how do we as leaders really give that visibility, give that empowerment to our teams? And when I think of equality, if you have a team of five, you can't say you've got 5%, 5%, 5% exposure and everybody's going to have equal representation to sponsor a, a program, project, whatever the case is. But how do we all collectively work together to give that equity for the entire team or, hey, I'm going to take a step back because I want Matt, I want you to show up in front and I want you to lead and I want you to be recognized for the work that you do and be really um, powerful about that and intentional about that. So those are, those are probably some of the key ones that I would definitely mention. And, of course, EQ, right? Emotional Thank intelligence you. Yes. and the self-awareness. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I forget that because that's one of the basic fundamental foundational kind of like error. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I know it. And it's one of those things I talk about all the time. But these are, are spot on. Global intergenerational abilities to bring the seasoned and the incoming millennials that are really filling up the workforce, team equity and EQ. And by the way, the team equity, that that CEO of that improv organization you're talking about, I've got her booked on the show in a couple of weeks. So I'm pretty excited about having her share her insights with what you just, just talked about, particularly team equity. You know, we've got about 30 seconds to break. So Bindu, I'm putting it on you to be really succinct. Can these skills be learned? <laughs> Yes, with a caveat, the willingness and vulnerability of a leader needs to be present and needs to be acknowledged. I think, you know, that whole um, uh, piece about forcing a horse to drink versus having them take the initiative, I think that's the piece that really distinguishes the one's ability to learn, whether they reach out for it or whether it's pushed on them. How is that? You did A plus. Good work. Okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. And on the other side of the commercial, we are going to start really talking about diversity and inclusion. What is it? Why do we keep, why does this phrase, these phrases keep coming up? Why is it so imperative for leaders to really give full attention to? So all my listeners out there, go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com. We'll be back here in just a few moments. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
If you're lost in the dating world and need GPS, if you're stuck in dating hell and can't get out, if you're in need of a dating intervention, then Done Being Single with host Trevor and Robbie Sharp is your lifeline to love. From hookups to happily ever after, learn how to navigate single life and find the one. Tune in to Done Being Single Saturdays, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration that opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time with award-winning authors Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And here we are, and I hope you had a great time taking a look at my website during the commercial break. So today, we are talking about a topic that's so important and near and dear to my heart, and that's diversity. And thinking about that from a leadership perspective, diversity and inclusion. And my guest today is Dr. Bindu Garapati. She's the co-founder and CEO of The Happy Leader. She does coaching. She's in leadership. She works with organizations. And it's all about empowering leaders to find their intersection of happiness meaning and impact. We ended the first segment of the program addressing happiness as it relates to the leader. We talked about some energy. We projected into the future. And and Dr. Bindu Garapati identified some really key nuggets. I want to revisit those just quickly. For all the leaders out there going forward, focus on your global cultural sensitivity. That's number one. Look at how you bring the generations together. That's number two. Three, thinking about team equity. And the fourth is having EQ. And of course, we all have to be vulnerable and willing to really embrace those and and hone those skills. Now, Bindu, I want to move into the territory of, territory of diversity and inclusion. And you know, when I was preparing for the show, I did a Google and I just typed in diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And you know how many results came up? Over 30 million results came up. So clearly- wow. this is- yeah, it is a hot topic, and we're not talking just in the U.S. or the U.K. We're talking globally. This is something that everyone's talking about. And, in fact, the very first article that popped up, and it came from January 2018, so this is very recent, it said, what should inclusion really look like in the workplace? And there were lots of recommendations in there. And embedded at the very end of the conversation, or at the very end of the article, it says, ask questions. And I thought to myself, why wasn't that one of the first things? You know, really, we need to be having dialogue from the very beginning. Because let's face it, and you even said in the last segment that you don't know everything about yourselves, that there are blind spots that we all have. What do you think? Let's let's take this conversation a little bit further about dialogue. 
So, you know, I'd like to start with a little story. So I grew up in um, a pretty rural city in mid-Michigan, and it was pretty mono-ethnic. And I like to joke that my, I think, entree into the whole topic or experience of diversity and inclusion was probably when I was about four or five years old, realizing that I was different than anybody else. You know, as a South Asian woman and having, um, you know, looking different than many of the people that I grew up with in the Midwest, there was all this question, confusion, like, why why do you look the way you do? Why do your parents sound the way they sound? Why do you eat the food that you eat, you know? And it was fascinating because throughout my childhood, we used to take frequent trips back to India. So I was very immersed in the culture, knew the language, had a great understanding, did a lot of cultural things to help me be more integrated, um, to kind of have this balance between the East and the West culture. And I remember coming home one day from school telling, you know, my parents that, you know, people are making fun or they're saying this or saying whatever it was at that point. And, you know, my father particularly was said, you know, the people just don't know why don't you approach it from more of an educational perspective and let them know why we wear the dot on our forehead or why we wear the clothes that we do. Maybe share some of the food and explain what it is. And it was really eye-opening for me because I've taken that into you know my adulthood as well and feel very open and actually really welcome that dialogue because you know what? There's a lot of stereotypes and a lot of generalizations we can make about all kinds of diverse groups. But the reality is, is there's so much individuality within that. You can line up 20 South Asian women, same age, same educational background, same, you know, find as many similarities as possible, yet our experiences are very different and shaped by the interactions we've had throughout our lives. So what better way to learn about those distinctions and similarities by simply asking in a very compassionate, respectful, I want to learn perspective and intention. It's a wonderful story, and I can only imagine little Bindu going to school, (laughs) small town of Michigan, looking different, and a powerful message your father gave you was, look at it from an education angle. Think about it that way, and what a beautiful way to frame it for you, and certainly you embrace that and carry that forward in all the work that you do. You know, for transformational leadership to occur... And this is where we're going to start digging into it deeper is why is an understanding of racial, cultural identity, diversity, and acknowledging in-groups and out-groups, why is all of that so important for leaders, transformation leaders to consider? Yeah, I think the ultimate message is we're always looking for connections. You know, have you met somebody, and I'm sure our listeners out there, when you meet somebody, you're listening for, oh, Okay, you know, the minute I said I grew up in Michigan, anybody that grew up in Michigan, I wonder if their ears perked up and was like, oh, I'm from Michigan too. And you see that interaction and that dynamic connection happen. So we're looking for connection, and that's why it's really important. We're looking for understanding. We're looking for an ability to really connect in an authentic way, and you can do that by having that conversation. So, you know, when when we started The Happy Leader, there's four tenets or four pillars, if you will. One is self-awareness. Second is happiness. Third is giving back and mentorship. And the fourth is all about racial cultural identity development. So Sue and Sue, Daryl Wing Sue um, and his colleague Sue, 
came up with these models of racial cultural identity development. And it really was a powerful learning for me to recognize that, wow, there are in-groups and out-groups. There are majority ways of thinking, minority ways of thinking. And I don't mean majority-minority in terms of ethnicity. I mean majority um, in terms of the dominant way of thinking or the least dominant way of thinking and how that starts to form in-groups and out-groups. So as I did more and more research and reading into the racial cultural identity development models, there's six different stages. The one, and throughout the stages, it's all about where you identify most with. And so when I think about the final stage, it's called integrative awareness. I like to joke that what that looks like to me is wearing kind of, you know, Western wear and an, uh, an Indian outfit, not at the same time, but feeling comfortable and feeling like me in both. So when we mm. think about the importance of, of that, it's really deepening the connection and understanding we have towards the colleagues that we work with and towards the leaders and how they show up because that influences the way that we work. Part of why it was so inspiring for me is, again, as a South Asian woman, I noticed myself showing up differently if I had um, uh, leaders from different representations, if I had a male leader, if I had a female leader, if I had a South Asian leader, if I had a Caucasian leader, how did that influence and impact me? Well, a lot of the family values or the kinds of things that I was taught you know, respect your elders, don't challenge. Well, okay, now I have a South Asian male leader. Am I going to feel comfortable voicing my concerns and opinions or thoughts or ideas? So I really had to drive that self-introspective piece to assess, okay, how much of this is cultural? How much of it do I need to dial up, dial down in order to have that professional part of me come through and really thrive as a leader? I'm wondering, do you have a framework or a tool or a model, something that perhaps our listeners could, because it's what I hear you saying resonates. It makes so much sense. And I'm wondering, is there, are, are there a series of questions that we can constantly be asking ourselves to help us really explore the many multifaceted dimensions that makes us uniquely human? What you said there, there's the culture thing, there's the gender thing. Is there something that you help you use for people to facilitate that self-dialogue? For the self-dialogue, it's, it's that question of what's shaped my experiences. Like, what if I were yeah. to sit, you know, kind of with myself, the kinds of questions I ask myself are more of the exploratory. Ooh, I have a thought. Where did that thought come from? You know, I think of a right. lot of the mindfulness training that I've gone through. We all make judgments about people immediately. I mean, that's a given. So we shouldn't judge ourselves for judging. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. But when we do, are we willing to suspend it for just a minute and collect more of the facts versus having our judgment influence the way that we're going to move forward? So, for example, let's say, you know, I was, I was mugged in Chicago um, by a certain individual. And now anytime I see someone who resembles that, I'm going to feel a little bit tense in my body. But somebody else could have a perception that, oh, Binda's reacting to somebody and they don't even know what my history or what my experience has been. So really being mindful of the perceptions that one we give off, but that we have of others. How do we slow that down? Okay, I have this perception. Let me ask myself, why am I having this? How is this going to impact the way I'm going to interact with this individual? And is there an opportunity for me to um, gather more data to either agree with the judgment I've made or disagree with it? 
Perfect. I Now that you say that too, it, that makes so much sense when you're in that moment. And I would also add on to that, listen to your body. Listen yes. and pay attention. Why are you sweating or why is your heart racing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that fight, flight, freeze. It's all that stuff in our subconscious drives so much of how we think and perceive the perceptions piece. So th- that was really, really, really great. You know, I'm wondering for for leaders, and and I'm talking all leaders represent all of us influence others in some dimension or another, and what I'm wondering is why is it important to maximize this diverse network that surrounds us? How can leaders? Oh, maximize? because we all have selective attention. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have we all have tunnel vision, right? We mentioned it earlier in the segment about our blind spots. You know, I hear, you know, I hear leaders um, mention this all the time. Well, I, you know, couldn't find the diversity. Oh, there's, you know, a talent pipeline issue. Well, you know, a litmus test sometimes I ask leaders is I say, you know, look at your social networks. Look at your LinkedIn. Look at who you go out to dinner with on, you know, on the weekend or during the week or whatever the case is in a, from a social. Now, compare it from a social scenario and a, and a professional scenario. Are you out to dinner with more like-minded people? Where is the diversity represented there? And even if you can add one diverse member, guess what? They are connected to a web of other diverse people. You know, I, I laugh when, you know, when I first joined LinkedIn, um, you know, I had most of my connections were all, you know, mental health professionals because that's the field that I was in. And as I expanded in my career, moved around, changed jobs, all those kinds of things, now I've got engineers, I've got architects, I've got people that I've met along the way that helps to build that diversity and network. And we all know, I mean, some people feel uncomfortable with the with networking, but the reality is is that, you know, if we're coming at it from an authentic perspective because we want to build relationships and truly learn about another person's journey and how that can even impact the way I look at different groups or interact with people that are diverse than me, there's there's so much to be learned from that experience. Okay, so here's a call to action for all the listeners out there. After the show, go to your LinkedIn profile or go to Facebook. And just as as the message keeps coming through here, be observational. What are you noticing? And then also, what are you noticing about yourself? You know, in terms of an organization, Bindu, what are some levers that need to be pulled so that we can start leveraging this network of diversity? Definitely. Oh, there's so there's so many things that can be done. I mean... I think when we think about the levers, you know, just um, reaching out to our talent pools, right, intentionally being diverse, intentionally being mindful of the language that we use, right? You know, I was on a call the other day, and it was funny. We were on a task force, and somebody said something along the lines of, oh, we need certain manpower to be able to do blah, blah, blah. And I just very under my breath in a comical way said, people power. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> and and it was just very subtle. And it was very, you know, again, not intended to be disrespectful by any mean, but just calling attention because I, I tend to get a bit hypersensitive around those things. And I have to be careful not to, you know, push an agenda there. However, Things along those lines, like being mindful about the language that that we use around those kinds of things is very, very important. 
language is a huge one. And it, the the whole thing about language is when I say a word, it frames for you a whole different a whole different connotation. Right. And we want to get creative, right? We want to get creative about how we seek out talent. We want to have, this is a big one for me, um, especially as, you know, we're moving, many of the companies are moving towards a data-driven decision-making in organizations, but what is the awareness of our current state of affairs? Like, what are the diversity numbers? And really acknowledging that we all have so much space to grow, even if we're doing phenomenal in this space, like what can we do to push ourselves to the next level? And the only way to do that is to have an organizational awareness of what the data is, you know, what are your numbers? And then, you know, again, the creative ways of seeking out talent. Onboarding and support is another organizational lever. There's mm-hmm. research out there to show that when you have extensive onboarding programs, you retain your talent longer. You're there to provide not only a three-month check-in and onboarding, and I don't mean the you know your typical kind of um, onboarding experience in terms of benefits and all of that, but a true check-in of how are you? How is the culture for you here? What is the culture representative of for you? What are you doing to influence the culture and having leaders really support? new talent, uh, regardless, again, if you're a seasoned professional or if you're newly entering the workforce. I think the other aspect of that support in onboarding is creating that sense of psychological safety and trust and support that, hey, I'm going ho- to be here as kind of your buddy to help you navigate through this system of in-groups and out-groups, right? Because just as much as there are in-groups and out-groups in our social settings, and there's definitely in-groups and out-groups in the corporate environment. I like to joke using this metaphor that, you know, we're all playing this game of shoots and ladders, not realizing there's an elevator right on the side. <laughs> That's a fantastic metaphor. Okay, let's take when a break. You can, pause. Oh. Yeah, let's pause right here, Bindu. We're going to go into a commercial break and continue this conversation on the other side about the benefits and everything else that we're talking about here. So for all the listening audience out there, we'll be, we'll be back here in just a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The White House doctor makes house calls. 
Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here we are, Transformational Energy Leadership, and today we're talking about leadership, diversity, and inclusion. And my very special guest is Dr. Bindu Garapati. And we have been talking all this uh, up until this point about leaders, the responsibilities they have in terms of diversity and inclusion. What can they, what can they do to be transformational in that space? And I have to say, Bindu, there was a, a phrase that you used early on, and I wrote it down because I hadn't heard of it before. So I'm, if you don't mind, I'd like to start mm-hmm. the segment talking about, because this is so imperative for all our leaders out there, you called it return on character. And I believe there's some research that you that you have that you want to share about this. Yeah, so Return on Character, uh, is. there's actually a book out there written by uh, Dr. Frank Keel. He's a psychologist and, if I understand correctly, was uh, basically a massive contributor to the whole 360-degree evaluation and feedback. So they've done a lot of research looking at character and the reputation of leaders out there and how important, and they were able to break it down into four different um, pillars, if you will. Integrity responsibility, forgiveness, and compassion. So these are the key markers that they believe contribute to a leader's character. And the piece that I really appreciate and I bring into a lot of the work that I do um, professionally, and I think about it personally as well in terms of, you know, perception becomes reality for many. So what they believe is that when you have a sense of integrity, what that does or the outcome of that is a sense of accountability. When there's responsibility, the outcome of that is there's confidence in management. When you have forgiveness, this is one of my favorites. When you demonstrate forgiveness as part of your character, innovation skyrockets. And how important is that? And it makes total sense. If you're afraid to fail and you're assessing kind of your level of risk aversion, if you know that you're going to have a leader that's right there next to you and says, you know, if you're going to fail, we're going to fail together, we're going to fail quickly, we're going to fail fast, you're going to probably reduce your guard and be a little bit more creative, innovative, and take, you know, maybe one step closer to risk than you were comfortable with prior. And then finally, with compassion. I've been reading a lot, and there's, um, you know, at Stanford, they've got the Compassion Research and, 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 and Center for Excellence, if you will. 
And they've been doing a lot of work at looking not only at self-compassion, but compassion for others. And I think a lot of the empathy comes into that play. And with compassion, the outcome there is collaboration. And so when you think about if you have compassion leads to the collaboration, that collaboration leads to that level of inclusivity and embracing of diversity. So I just thought it was a beautiful framework to be able to kind of keep in the back of our minds as leaders in terms of how do we look at that piece of those four pillars in our daily practice. And you have to have innovation. Let's face it, the dynamics of the workforce, the the marketplace are just changing so fast. And when you wrap compassion around that, the collaboration, inclusivity, it just that, that speaks volumes. That leads me to my my next question for you, Bindu. And we always we always hear the business benefits of diversity and, and inclusion and in the workplace. But let's let's break this down some. So, what do you see from the work that you're doing? What are the benefits? That's a big question. Yeah, diversity and inclusion. Yeah, what are the business benefits? Why do we need to pay attention to this? Oh, right. This is, I mean, there's so much documented research out there in terms of better. So when, when, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about all the different aspects of it. So for sure, financially, <laughs> companies yeah. do better when there's diverse teams, right? We're better at innovating when you have different ideas represented at the table, right? I, I joked earlier about we all have tunnel vision, right? We kind of see what we want to see. But if you have somebody that thinks very differently than you do, diversity of thought, how powerful is that? Um, it, it creates more of a collaborative environment, right? If we're all the same, I mean, there's comfort in sameness, if you will. But then there's also the challenging yourself to push beyond what you're usually comfortable with, which gives that sense of purpose and meaning and takes it to a different level. So that's always very important as well. Um, better decision-making, right? Better reputation, better brand recognition. How amazing. You know, I read an article a while ago that popped up on LinkedIn about how Silicon Valley is going through, uh, is it diversity fatigue, I think it was. Hmm. And it was interesting because it sparked a lot of thought for me in terms of how do we start looking at the diversity and inclusion more from an organic place versus, again, a push down people and saying, hey, we have to do this and this is an expectation versus, hey, this is really a good idea. It's kind of like how corporate social responsibility became an arm in a lot of companies. It does good. Why wouldn't we do this? It's not a have to have. It just becomes a way of life. I agree with everything that you said. You know, and there's so much out there. Uh, as as I was doing some research, it, I also found it interesting. There was a Deloitte study that came out, and I want to say maybe 2013, 2013, 2014, and they found that diverse teams, when in diversity, not like you were saying culturally or, or race or ethnicity, but we're talking about experiences, different degrees, mm-hmm. levels of knowledge, that teams that are composed of all different kinds of diversity they are able to make decisions 60% faster than mono-ethnic or, or, or mono-teams, if you will. So there's some great research out there. And the other thing I wanted, wanted to point out, too, is when we think about innovation and creativity, because we spoke about that earlier, that it's the lifeblood of an organization, right, to have that innovation. And there's there was a study done by McKinsey, and, and they found that U.S. public companies with a diverse executive board have a 95% higher return on equity than those that have non-diverse boards. Wow. Yeah, the data. That's why, 
you know, I paused for a minute when you asked that question because there is so much data out there. And, you know, I just want to put this out there because, I, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about how easy this is. I want to just be sensitive that, you know, it's much easier to talk about it than implementing. But I truly, truly believe that if we can start having that dialogue, because, you know, think about it. When you're in diverse teams, it, as awesome as it is to have that diversity of thought, there's more challenges around how you get to a solution in the sense of, compared to somebody, a team of everyone agreeing and saying, yes, let's move forward without that, wait, let's explore this, let's examine this, what are the challenges here? So there is work to be done. However, back to that piece about being open, vulnerable, and willing, and almost taking ego out of it, right? When somebody challenges us, it's not so much about you're right, you're wrong. It's a diverse perspective. And so how can we look at it with a different framework? And how do you do that? That, That's the big question. Mm-hmm. Well, for me personally, what I've done, in my opinion, is I I listen more. I take I I listen for the nuances. I I ask a lot of questions. Okay, you said this. What do you mean by that? Right? Mm-hmm. Kim Scott has some phenomenal work out there on radical candor. Right? And when you when she's looking at radical candor, she's looking at two dimensions. How willing are you to challenge somebody, and how much do you care? So if I start with that basic premise, Matt, I have a relationship, I've built that psychological safety with you, I can feel comfortable asking you some of those tough questions to learn more about your perspective, regardless of how diverse it is from my thought or not. Yes. The book was called Radical Candor. That sounds... Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think, you know, the bottom line here... It, it, this is great because you're right. It all starts with dialogue. Everything isn't it interesting. Whenever I go to a client with an engagement, ultimately communication is it's the key to opening up so much information that it's just finding the la- the language and, like you said, have the com the tough conversations and having a build on trust. It, there's just so much wrapped into it. The communication is so key. I agree. Yeah, I, you know what I want to do, we're at a commercial break and we come back to the other side, I want to wrap things up and, and bring in and hone in what are some key things for all of us to be, really be thinking about, what can we do after this show? So for the listening audience out there, stay tuned, we'll be back here in just a couple of moments. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Many of us define our lives by what has already happened. It's a past tense series of events. Do you long for something else? You don't have to live solely in this reality. Tune in for To Win Within with host Strom Thomason. Strom and his guests are here to introduce you to your true self. It's time to emerge from your box and take a beautiful journey of self-love and discovery. You'll find yourself exactly where you need to be. To Win Within airs live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Do we really have a full understanding as to why we do certain things and function the way that we do? There are many different aspects of trauma, and you can learn more about them and how to overcome the symptoms by tuning in to Trauma Talk with host Ezrina Rose Scott. On Trauma Talk, Ezrina and her special guest experts and clients will discuss the different results of trauma and some effective methods in resolving and healing from them. 
Listen live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, welcome back to this final segment of Transformational Energy Leadership, and we're talking about leadership, diversity, and inclusion. And my guest with me today is Dr. Bindu Garapati, and we've been having a great conversation about diversity and really having self-conversation with ourselves, being observant, and so forth. And Bindu, I want to just start this segment and and wrap this up with a a real-life experience I had doing some coach or consulting work. I was brought in to help the leadership understand why are we not getting minorities to the executive level. And when I was doing interviews with each of them, the, the theme that came through was, I don't pay attention to differences. I treat everybody the same. How do you respond to that? So, I, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about this because as a woman of color, I, I've heard that often in the professional and personal environment. So we're all the same. We're all humans. And as much as I believe in that, I think that's, again, a challenge to an individual to step in somebody else's shoes or have this level of empathy. You may see that, and based on your experiences, right, You, we are who we are today based on all the steps we've taken throughout our past. And if you've grown up in that cult, in that environment, or you haven't had the interactions that have may challenge that kind of thinking, you're going to continue with that, right? And it's a very safe place to be. I think going back to kind of our primitive brains of fight, flight, or freeze, you know, maybe we don't want to push to have some more of those conversations. I had an experience just recently as well. I mentioned something about, oh, is a South Asian woman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And my colleague, who um, is a Caucasian male, said, oh, that's when I saw you, I was thinking about, is she competent? What ideas is she going to bring to the table? Do I trust her? All of those kinds of things. And that mere conversation was so empowering for both of us because we were able to, he was able to say, wow, okay, you're coming to the table with that lens, with that paradigm. I'm coming to the table with this paradigm. So it opened up the conversation to talk a little bit further about that and explore that. And again, doing it in a, in a way that's safe. One of the things that I've been very sensitive and, and compassionate around is we don't know what kinds of experiences people have had, right? And we all show up with a certain perception. And how can we have that dialogue even further just to explore and understand? So, yeah, no, how do we respect both perspectives and points of view? Okay, that may be your thought and your paradigm. However, here's an alternative perspective to consider. And you're not going to know that unless you really walk in someone's shoes, I couldn't have said it better. And and that's just it. And it comes back down to trust and having conversations. And Bindu, as I reflect on the time that's that's gone between our conversation here, we've talked about so many things. We started the conversation looking at happiness. Why you chose happiness as part of 
your organization and looking at that intersection of happiness, leadership, and impact. We also talked about future trends and skills that leaders are going to have to have and thinking about you know the intergenerational play, thinking about things globally, team equity and EQ, which came up. We also looked at exploring what diversity and inclusion really looks like and why an understanding of racial, cultural identity and diversity and acknowledging in-groups and out-groups is so crucial for leaders. And we talked embedded in their return on character, which I'm really loving that framework that you post. And I'm going to get the book after this show and also, of <laughs> course, the business benefits. But, you know, when you boil it all down, what's the call to action? The call to action that I've seen um, that has strong return on investment, if you will, is Increasing our own individual level of self-awareness, how do we reduce those blind spots? How do we put ourselves in those uncomfortable situations, right? There's that learning model of, if you think of these circles, I'm in my comfort zone, I'm in my learning zone, and then on the periphery is my terror zone. We're not, we don't want to push people into the terror zone, just on the no. <laughs> order of that learning and that terror zone, right? Right before that edge is really where we can push ourselves to become much more self-aware. And with that level of self-awareness and kind of connection to the bigger picture, how do we elevate our thinking of not just in this moment, but kind of more of that bird's eye perspective of what is all this really about? I think being mindful and intentional, and what I mean by being mindful is how do we suspend that initial judgmental reaction? How do we just slow it down is the only ask. Not to limit it, avoid it, or disregard it, but, ooh, I had that thought. Where is that coming from? Why is it influencing and impacting me here and now? And one last piece that I'd love to say, I heard this um, somewhere long ago. I don't know where it originated from, but it's a, it, it's a phrase that really resonates with the work I do and just kind of the philosophy I like to practice is that if we can be intentionally inclusive, we can start avoiding being accidentally exclusive. Oh, that's powerful. If we can be intentionally inclusive, we can be, what was the we last can part? Avoid, we can avoid accidentally being exclusive. Avoid accidentally being exclusive. Yeah, that's really powerful. It's that it's shifting the mindset. You know, one of the things I try to do when I'm having interactions, even after this show, I will go, I always am self-evaluating. And I, I do a three-pronged approach. I'll talk about, okay, what went well? That's the first one. Second, what did I learn? What did I learn about yep. this experience today? And then the third is, what can I change? And it fits in nicely with what you're saying there. It's a proactive how do I keep, and it goes with the theme that you and I have been talking about all day, is making yourself vulnerable and be willing. And that's when the, the growth, our self-growth really starts to happen. The compassion, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day. Yes. Wrap compassion around it. Bindu, I have to say, it's been an absolute delight to have you on the show today. And, of course, I may have you on again because the conversation is so rich. We can have keep going further. But thank you so <laughs> much so for fun. sharing. yes you're invited to come in the future so thank you oh you know what one last thing i want to ask you you've got 10 seconds (laughs) okay what's what's something you're reading right now that's really triggering your synapses oh a book called not impossible by mick ebling uh i heard him speak a few weeks ago and the whole premise of the book is nothing's impossible and I'll leave you with this. He had one image of the person, the first person who climbed Mount Everest. The next slide was a picture of a long line of people 
climbing Mount Everest. And so whenever you hear something is not impossible, oftentimes it takes one person to crack the code or push the limit a little bit. And all of a sudden it becomes possible for many more people to do it. And that's our call to action. It's not impossible. Let's crack the code, everyone. So all of you out there listening, if you've got a topic or if you've got a guest that you would like to have come on the show, let me know. In fact, I'm going to try to get this not impossible guy to, to be on the conversation. <laughs> Bindu, Bindu, thank you very much, Bindu, for being with me today. Oh, thank you so much, Matt. This has been such a delight, I can't tell you, and very fun. Oh, great. Well, I've enjoyed it, too. So for everyone out there, until next time, harness your positive energy and lead that transformation, and we will talk with you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.